America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, a great nation that is being asked to confront a series of great problems uh, with no obvious solution at hand. What kind of problems? Well, there is the idea of default, which could impact everybody. I mean, some of the uh, projections of what would actually happen here on June 1st, and yes, they've moved up the date. That's from the Treasury Secretary. And now President Biden finally, finally, finally seems to want to meet with the Republicans and try to negotiate something. And people look at this and they think, well, nothing's going to happen it could happen. It could be devastating. It could be devastating for people with 401ks, with people with any kinds of uh, IRAs or retirement accounts, for people who basically depend on something more than just a, a weekly paycheck. It could be a devastating uh, a blow to our entire economy, pushing us into a very serious recession uh, after going through this painful inflation that is still not under control. There's that. Uh, there is uh, also a warning from the Surgeon General of the United States, who's actually a good guy, and he's very well qualified. His name is uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, and uh, he is warning about a national epidemic of loneliness. What's behind the surge in loneliness, which, by the way, has a real impact on physical health, not just on emotional health? Uh, we will talk about that. It was also a tough day in court, uh, not for President uh, Trump. President Trump is actually over in Scotland for the expansion of one of his golf course properties. And uh, he's actually referring to it as going home because his mother, as many people do not know, was born in Scotland, and now he, I, I guess, is uh, particularly proud of his Scottish identity and background. This after Biden went on the nostalgic trip to Ireland. He went on the trip to Ireland with his son, who had a terrible day in court. And, I mean, the, the idea that uh, Hunter Biden has so many problems heaped on one another. Uh, that is something that we will get to today. And there is, and this goes together with the idea of uh, the loneliness epidemic. There's also uh, another divorce epidemic. I'm, I mean, yes, the rate of divorce has been going down since the 1980s. It has. But it's only been going down because the rate of marriage has been going down. You can't get divorced until you've gotten married. There's a piece in Forbes magazine uh, that puts together a lot of the most recent research about divorce. And it's, um, it's also devastating. Uh, 1-800-955-1776. No reason to feel lonely when... Uh, you can call in with your take on any of this. Uh, this was the Surgeon General who was on MSNBC this morning. He was on Morning Joe. And his name is Dr. Vivek Murthy. And uh, he 
was talking about rebuilding social connections and how that must be a top public health priority now. Uh, what's behind the surge in loneliness? He was asked, and, and of course, a great deal of this has to do with the lockdowns. It has to do with the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic is supposed to now be officially over. So can we go back to actually reconnecting with our friends and business associates and maybe doing something to counteract the loneliness? Here is uh, uh, Dr. Murthy, the Surgeon General of the United States, on Morning Joe this morning. Listen. That's the right question. And it turns out that this is a problem that has been building for decades. Uh, we have over... 40, 50 years, seen declining participation in the community organizations that used to bring people together, uh, including service organizations, faith organizations, and others. But we're also seeing that our life has changed dramatically. We move around more, we change jobs more often, and technology has utterly transformed how we interact with one another. Now, oh, I'm, tech can be good or bad. It can help us or hurt us. It's how it's designed and how we use it. But what I worry about is that it has too often replaced our in-person connections uh, with lower quality off, you know, online connections. And it's also prioritized quantity of connections over quality of connections. Mm. And as our life has changed dramatically in these ways, we have to very intentionally prioritize relationships, rebuild the social infrastructure in our lives and our communities. If we don't, we will see a worsening crisis of loneliness. And that's why I'm issuing this advisory today on loneliness and isolation, because I want us to begin a conversation as a country about what I see as a profound public health threat, but a threat that we can address. And I also lay out a framework for national right. strategy for what we can do about it. So Okay, in the Washington Post, they report offices vacant, closed, or sparsely occupied, children wrestling with a year of lost or unsatisfying schooling, a worsened crisis in youth mental health. Most Americans may be done with the pandemic, but COVID is certainly not done with us. The latest evidence <clears throat> comes uh, via Fenet uh, Niropoli, who uh, spoke with Surgeon General Vivek Murthy about his stark warning that loneliness poses a serious public health threat and as serious as smoking or obesity. And he's calling for Americans to become more social. How bad is it really? It's very, very bad. Uh, these statistics and these, again, is your government at work and some of the health departments of your government. Half of U.S. adults experience loneliness, which has consequences for mental and physical health, including a greater risk of depression, anxiety, and perhaps more surprisingly, heart disease, stroke, and dementia. In 2022, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General, gave a talk at Yale where he cited a survey from 2020 that found loneliness afflicted 75% of younger folks. Time spent with friends declined 20 hours a month between 2003 and 2020, according to uh, research cited in the advisory, while time spent alone increased by 24 hours a month in that period. Those trends probably intensified during the coronavirus pandemic as Americans felt sequestered at home. A loneliness is associated with greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and premature death. Great. The mortality impact of 
being socially disconnected is similar to that caused by smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than that associated with obesity and physical inactivity, the advisory says. Now, part of this relates to something we talked about on on the show recently with a writer for the New York Times, uh, Jessica Gross, who was writing about all the churches closing everywhere. And yes, people spending less time in regular Bible study or religious activities or just the general social activities that you used to have. This is something that uh, uh, Dr. Putnam wrote about years ago in Bowling Alone, that it used to be that in America there were all these organizations, many of them named after animals, the Elks, the Eagles, uh, the Kiwanis, the uh, you name it, Rotary Club, social do-good organizations, groups there people would get together regularly. That doesn't happen as much anymore, which is why that whole idea of going back to a Sabbath and to religious organizations, it seems to me, is so very important. Uh, We will be uh, right back on the Medved Show with more on what do you do in confronting loneliness. That and more coming up. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show uh, talking about the loneliness crisis and it is a crisis for people and it's uh, married together you'll pardon the expression with a phenomenally useful and extremely thorough and detailed uh, special publication by Forbes magazine about divorce and what is going on with divorce. Now, we do not have the highest divorce rate we've ever had. Divorce rates aren't soaring. Divorce rates actually have been going down since the 1980s. But the reason they've been going down is because marriage, uh, the number of people getting married has been going down. And that is problematic because the one thing about it is if you don't get married, you don't get divorced. Uh, What is going on here is uh, some of the information from Forbes magazine gives you things that you probably know about and maybe you need to be reminded about the great increase in likelihood of divorce when uh, people live together before marriage, which goes, of course, against the grain. In terms of morning morning Joe today, Uh, there was some conversation, uh, some of it useful, about what it is we can do to curb loneliness, which has all of these public health impacts that the Surgeon General Vivek Murthy was talking about. Uh, Listen. Is make sure that people have what I think of as the most important safety net to buffer them during times of stress and that is relationships with one another and community. When we have people around us, we can actually deal with a fair amount of adversity in our lives. 
But when we don't, when we're struggling by ourselves, and even what seem like manageable levels of adversity become overwhelming, right? So the places that used to bring people together, you know, whether it was churches and synagogues and, 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 and temples and mosques, or whether it was, you know, volunteer organizations in your community, or whether it was parent associations in your kids' schools, participation in a lot of those organizations has gone down. So when we think about rebuilding social connection in America, to me, this is not just a health issue. This is vital uh, to all of society because in addition to the health impacts I talked about earlier, we know when people struggle with loneliness, it impacts their productivity in the workplace. It impacts how children perform in school. It reduces civic engagement and it contributes to division and polarization because when you don't know one another, it's easier uh, to distrust and, mm. and to hate one another, but it's harder to hate people up close. Okay, there's uh, one simple suggestion that Dr. Murthy made, which I think is very important, and it's important to keep in mind, which is when people call, pick up the phone. Imagine your phone ringing. You see it's a call from your best friend from college who you haven't caught up with in a long time. But instead of accepting the call you decide not to answer, you tell yourself you'll call back later when you have more time to chat. Um, the whole idea of picking up the phone or, or actually even talking to people by phone directly rather than sending text messages. Uh, I'm, I'm terrible with text messages. I can't, I can't do it. I, I can leave messages. <laughs> I try to leave entertaining messages uh, Jeremy says I can do it, but the the text messages are are just um, uh, it's it's beyond my pay grade right now. Uh, and again, it's it's okay to have the phone conversations, but what what he's talking about it's it, it's it's so strange how this echoes what is going on in Washington and the political world, which we also pay attention to, is right now we are looking at this this incredibly serious, and it's not make-believe. It's, uh, it, it's, it's very profound, the idea of a default for this country. And uh, it could have a very damaging impact on all of us and our financial plans and our well-being and uh, how we do with jobs and raises and paying the bills and uh, all of that is is real and it's happening and they can't even get the president together with um, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy Kevin McCarthy's was in Israel he had gave a very successful speech to the Israeli parliament the Knesset uh, but now it's time to come back and they have to do something to work out some of the deals to to pay the bills uh bills that have already been paid for and the difficulty in in even talking about any of this a headline in the washington post biden seeks debt ceiling talks hurrah finally as u.s faces possible june 1st default uh, President Biden, up until today, had been absolutely refusing to even meet with Kevin McCarthy, to even talk to him about trying to work this out unless they agreed to, quote, a clean debt ceiling increase. Uh, the idea that people can't work this out. Uh, there's a new YouGov poll 
and uh, it, 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 it goes to this whole idea of the plague of loneliness and alienization and polarization. Um, 65% of Americans, a big majority, in other words, nearly two-thirds, think the U.S. is more divided than usual, while 18% think it's about as divided as usual. How many think it's more united than usual? 11%. Who are you, people out there? I mean, seriously, 11% of you think we're more united than usual? And what leads you to believe that? The encouraging news about this uh, upcoming political campaign where uh, it's going to be, it appears, uh, very likely it will be Trump versus Biden again, despite the fact that 70% of Americans, including 51% of Democrats, don't want Biden to run again, and more than 60%, uh, including a full third of Republicans, say, please, President Trump, don't run again. So how, how can we be, have 11% of people who think that, uh, we are more united than usual. What are we united on exactly? Uh, 1-800-955-1776. Republicans are more likely than independents, uh, 65% and Democrats, 59% to think the country is more divided than usual. 73% of us who identify as Republicans think we are more divided than usual. Uh, coming up, uh, there's a country out there where 8 of 10 marriages end in divorce. Which country? And why is that? Uh, we will get to that. Come. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, the uh, little trivia that we were talking about before, and it's not trivial at all to the people, is Portugal is actually uh, one of the countries with the highest divorce rates in the world. Uh, they say that in Portugal, for uh, reasons that I frankly do not fully understand, about 8 out of 10 um, marriages end up in divorce. And uh, to some extent, there, this this material from Forbes uh, shows that the United States does not do well in terms of uh, divorce rate, but it is by far not the worst in the world, or even among the uh, worst in the world. By the way, in the U.S., the uh, lowest divorce rate by state. The uh, the highest divorce rate is Nevada, and which is ironic because it used to be that Nevada had some of the easiest divorce laws. People in Hollywood would go up to Reno, uh, would be the uh, divorce capital of the country, and uh, people would go there. Nevada still has apparently the highest divorce rate. Massachusetts has the lowest divorce rate. And that's because in, in Massachusetts has some of the highest rates of a higher education. And uh, 
one of the things that reduces your chances of divorce, apparently, uh, is when both parties have uh, completed college degrees, have a high level of education. In any event, um, what all of this brings to is uh, the, the highest divorce rate in the world. Uh, Kazakhstan is uh, at 46 and uh, uh, Russia is right up there, uh, about nearly double the divorce rate as in the United States. So all, all of that is going on, and clearly it relates very directly to the, to the uh, loneliness epidemic that people are talking about, because obviously the greatest antidote to loneliness is coming home to a family where people actually do care about each other. The top reasons for divorce uh, from the National Library of Medicine, lack of commitment is number one. And uh, way down at the bottom, 75% of marriages that divorce uh, they express that part of the problem is a lack of commitment. Uh, third place is too much conflict and arguing. Uh, infidelity is second place. In any event, uh, does all of this apply to the debt ceiling? Uh, President Biden invited House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and other congressional leaders to the White House. Finally, they're going to be going next week. Why are they waiting? I mean, given the fact that they have a June 1st deadline when the world explodes, apparently, makes no sense to wait. Uh, the uh, McCarthy and uh, Schumer and uh, Mitch McConnell, they're all going to be coming to the White House next week to discuss the debt ceiling. As Washington scrambled today to respond to news that the government could default on its obligations as early as June 1st. Uh, Biden's request for talks followed a jarring new projection from the Treasury Department that the government could run out of cash to pay its bills in as few as four weeks without additional borrowing uh, authority. An unprecedented event that could rattle world financial markets and tip the fragile U.S. economy into a, another devastating recession. Republican lawmakers who took control of the House in January have tried to seize on the looming deadline to extract some spending cuts and other policy concessions from the White House. Last week, the House approved by two votes. A uh, Republican measure that would briefly raise the debt ceiling while cutting billions of dollars in federal spending and repealing some of Biden's recent, quote, legislative accomplishments, unquote. The uh, president has threatened to veto the measure and called on Congress to raise the debt ceiling without conditions. Until Monday, Biden had even refused to haggle with Republicans over an issue that poses such immense risks to the economy. But with Monday's news that default could come as soon as next month, the president set in motion a plan to hold the talks on May 9th, personally calling McCarthy as well as Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat New York, according to a White House official. 
The uh, Treasury Department, meanwhile, sounded an urgent alarm about the need for haste. In a letter to lawmakers, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said the agency might be unable to continue to satisfy all the government's obligations by early June and possibly as early as June 1st. I respectfully urge Congress to protect the full faith and credit of the United States by acting as soon as possible. Well, yeah, that would be uh, an, an important thing to take care of, wouldn't it? Uh, it, it's fairly obvious Joe Manchin, who could be a crucial vote in the Senate and uh, getting over this entire matter, he um, he spoke about what's going on right now, and it sounded like, despite the fact that he's a member of the Democratic Caucus, and if he does run for re-election in the Senate, he'll be running as a Democrat against a very strong Republican challenger. But it sounded like he was almost taking a Republican point of view that, yes, you, you have to raise the debt ceiling, but you have to at the same time uh, do something about the ongoing debt. Uh, here is Joe Manchin, clip four. It's unsustainable, the direction we're going now, with $31.5 and then basically saying that, well, what we're going to do is not talk about it, but then come back and talk about it. Why not talk about it now? Make sure that we have agreement that this is something we all can, are concerned about. Uh, yeah, why not do something about it now? Uh, Mitt Romney, somebody else who was identified, tried to identify himself as up the middle and something of a moderate said that uh, he's a little appalled by the insistence on a so-called clean debt ceiling increase by President Biden. This is clip 11. I'm frankly a little appalled that uh, the leadership in the White House has not taken this seriously enough to sit down and negotiate in good faith. We're in May now, all right? We gotta move. And, uh, and it's simply unacceptable for people to begin to worry whether they're going to get Social Security checks. And uh, that's a very serious worry. Uh, the uh, White House Press Secretary, Karina uh, uh, Jean-Pierre, uh, she talks about the threat of default. This is clip five. Fault and crash the economy unless the president agrees with Speaker McCarthy's entire agenda isn't just unreasonable, it's dangerous. Okay, uh, look, the entire thing is dangerous. So uh, at least they're meeting about it, and maybe when you talk about loneliness and isolation. Uh, by the way, the um, uh, problem in, in Portugal uh, with the... Uh, Eight out of ten marriages ending in divorce. That uh, leads to 87% of women are handling the duties of a single parent in Portugal as well. It's uh, un unreal. We will be right back on the Medved Show.
this is about going to San Francisco, and you need to have those flowers in your hair. Of course, that goes without saying. But actually, the uh, song needs to be rewritten, altered a little bit about if you're leaving from San Francisco. Uh, not just because the city has been losing population, uh, people can't live there, they don't want to live there, businesses are closing big time. And this is actually, it's just so sad and it's so unnecessary. Uh, Nordstrom, which is a great company, started in Seattle, of course, national headquarters in Seattle. But uh, Nordstrom was actually started as a uh, uh, providing shoes for people going up to the Klondike Gold Rush, up, up to the Yukon uh, in Alaska in the 1890s. But uh, it's obviously become a very well-established retailer. Uh, it has two stores in downtown San Francisco. Both are closing. Can you imagine? The planned... Uh, closure of the Nordstrom's underscores the deteriorating situation in downtown San Francisco, said a mall spokesman. A growing number of retailers and businesses are leaving the area due to the unsafe conditions for customers, uh, retailers, and employees, coupled with the fact that these significant issues are preventing an economic recovery of the area. It's shoplifting and more. Uh, Jamie Nordstrom said, decisions like this are never easy, and this one has been especially difficult. We spent more than 35 years serving customers in downtown San Francisco, building relationships with them, and investing in the local community. After 35 years, gone. Meanwhile, uh, San Francisco's Union Square shopping area has lost 17 retailers since 2020. Uh, you know, one hopes that uh, the flagship uh, store in downtown Seattle uh, stays healthy or relatively healthy or survives uh, somehow. With all of this... Uh, negativity I, I uh, it's it's extraordinary because the standards are gone away and uh, and meanwhile uh, there is at least the uh, acknowledgement oh wait meanwhile in Portland in Portland it's not uh, Nordstrom's that's leaving it's Walmart is leaving uh, joining over 2,500 downtown businesses. Oh, hold on, let me read that again, just to make sure that you, you understand what I'm telling you. In Portland, Oregon, uh, which used to be designated one of the most livable cities in the country, would always be ranked up there, Portland. Um, Walmart is leaving, joining over 2,500 downtown businesses that have moved out since 2019. The city has burned the trust of business owners and must now begin the long process of rebuilding that trust. Portland is now associated with homelessness, of course, most of all, riots and rampant thefts. And it will be maintaining that association for years 
to come. Uh, this is uh, extraordinarily sad. And meanwhile, things could get enormously worse if we have a default. So at least they're going to be attempting a congressional meeting, a meeting with the leaders of Congress and the President of the United States to try to do something, basically, just to work the damn thing out and stop the default and raise the debt ceiling. I mean, Kevin McCarthy did his part, passed a bill in the House by a 217 to a 215 vote. Uh, okay, this is uh, the White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, about... President Biden showing at least some willingness to meet with uh, the other side and to try to work something out. This is clip 12. If he's not willing to negotiate, what is this meeting? Like, what is he coming to the table with? And does he see this as a conversation that's only about the debt ceiling? And then there's a separate meeting later that's about the budget? Well, or when Kevin McCarthy well, comes I, and wants to talk about all of it, yeah. how, what are the mechanics of this meeting? Well, yeah, think, Can you do those two things at the same time well, over the coming weeks? Sorry, I was trying to wait to see where the question is going to end. I apologize, my bad. Yeah. Look, he's going, to be, he's going to make it very clear uh, in this meeting that they're going to have next week how it is the Congress's constitutional duty to act. That he is not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling. Been very clear. That is not going to change. Now, we I have said, as I said from the top here, that he's willing to have a separate conversation about uh, their spending, what they want to do with the budget, how they see the appropriations process moving forward. Okay, basically, can can we agree that it's not good to add the record numbers and the record amounts of trillions of dollars to the national debt that have been added by the Biden administration. And by the way, we're added by the Trump administration, too. They were. This is not this should not be a partisan issue, for God's sake. I mean, dealing with making some changes to stop the budget from uh, exploding way out of control. Uh, why should that even be a, a difficult partisan issue? And by the way, the, 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 and the Supreme Court in the past has, has always been at least a little bit beyond partisanship. Now, of course, the confirmation process means that... Uh, uh, basically, Republican members of the Senate vote to confirm Republican appointees and Democratic members of the Senate vote to confirm Democratic appointees. But there have been a few people, it's like Lindsey Graham, for instance. Lindsey Graham uh, spoke today about uh, to the Senate Judiciary Committee about the assault on Justice Thomas, and he has standing to do so because he voted to confirm Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan and Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Uh, and uh, the partisan attacks on Justice Thomas, this is what Senator Graham of South Carolina had to say, clip one. This assault on Justice Thomas is well beyond ethics. It is about trying to delegitimize de a conservative court that was appointed through the traditional process. 
Your response has been to pack the court. <laughs> Virtually every member of the Democratic caucus, except maybe one or two, are for expanding the number of judges to dilute the conservative majority that exists today. So, Mr. Chairman, from our point of view, this is not going to work. You can write all the articles you want to write. You can take all the shots at the conservative justices you want to take. You can pick it before their houses, and it's not going to stop people from doing their job. This is an unseemly effort by the Democratic left to destroy the legitimacy of the Roberts court. It's put people at risk. It's put their personal safety at risk. And if you want to talk about making the court a better institution, I'll be glad to work with in that regard. And uh, the, the, the bizarre part about what they're attacking Justice Thomas for is has nothing to do with any of his judicial decisions or anything to do with him uh, basically granting favoritism to his personal friends. He has a personal friend named Harlan Crow, who's one of the wealthier people in Texas, meaning he's one of the wealthier people in the United States. And he has invited, uh, over the course of several years, uh, Justice Thomas and his wife, Ginny, to go along with them on lavish vacations that Harlan Crow pays for. But there is zero evidence, none, nothing, that Harlan Crow ever had business before the court or that uh, Justice Thomas was compromised somehow by this. Uh, the idea of putting all of this in context, when you're talking about building a community and a sense of national at least dialogue and unity, if not, if not that, you have to put these things in context and uh, do a better job with that for this greatest nation on God's green earth.